Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. In this episode, we talk with Kate, James, and Lacey about how we deal with and cope with regret in sobriety. We talk about ways we've changed our focus from the past to the future to allow ourselves to heal. Learning to put the past behind us in a healthy way allows us to truly value and look forward to the future. We owe it to ourselves and to our loved ones to give ourselves the freedom to move forward. If you like what you hear on this episode, hit subscribe or follow, rate the podcast. And I want to challenge you to share the episode with a friend. Spreading podcasts are hard to get out there and you never know who it could touch. So let's dig into this episode. We are here today with Kate, James, and Lacey. I'm going to ask you guys all to introduce yourselves real quick. I think we'll start with Lacey. Lacey is, I've actually followed Lacey's story for quite some time. We quit drinking pretty close to the same time. I, I just hit 14 months today and I think you're just like a week behind me. Is that oh, right? Congratulations. Yeah, I am just about a week behind you. I'm at 418 right now. So okay. I'm getting there. I surpassed the year mark finally. Awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself? My name's Lacey. Uh, I'm at 418 days sober. Uh, I live in Pennsylvania, work a full-time job, have a house with my fiance and my pet cat, Storm. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here, Lazy. Thank you for having me. And we'll go with Kate next. And we met Kate on Instagram. She is walking the straight line on Insta. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I am... um from England. I've lived in New York and Rome and all over the place. I'm a writer and I do writing for things. I I write comics for Disney and I write about working in war zones for the UN. So massive spectrum. I've been a drinker since I was about 14 or 15 and I was drinking up until recently about 10 bottles of wine a week at home when I was doing absolutely nothing other than watching Game of Thrones. I mean, it just became a habit. It became what I did and I'm in my 40s and I just thought I can't go on like this. I've had I've been arrested. I've been hit by cars. I've fallen through glass doors, all that stuff. And nothing ever stopped me. And eventually I just thought I, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And I am 327 days sober today. Um, and yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. No going back. That's awesome. 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 Really grateful that you are here. Um, and then James, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, from the UK. Um, two years on Monday from cocaine, not alcohol. Yeah, it was years and years and years of an issue and then getting a handle on it and then it coming back and it's about 20 years, give or take. You know, around a month of the substances and stuff. And uh 2020 was a, a definite wake up call, and had six months sober, then did the inevitable falling over. And then it's uh, yeah, on Monday, it's two years. 
That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. Congratulations. Congratulations, James. Um, so to introduce our topic for today, something I see come up over and over in the recovery community is people struggling with feelings of regret. I think we do a lot of things while we're drinking or drugging that we regret terribly later. And it can be really hard to reconcile those feelings. So when have you experienced regret and how have you learned how to cope with those feelings? Do you want me to speak? Sure. Have at it. Go for it. I've got probably a different view on this to most people because I hated myself every morning when I woke up. I, I was disappointed in myself. I didn't love myself. I was not proud of myself. I didn't like myself. I felt shame, regret, embarrassment. Now I did that the same as James for 20, 25 years. And I did things that I regret. Obviously people, everyone does things that they regret, but I never really hurt anyone. I never got in fights. I wasn't that type of drinker. I hurt myself. So when I stopped drinking, I almost made the decision when I when I woke up and I realized that there was this new way of living where I didn't wake up hating myself and I started to love myself for the first time in my adult life. I decided to, to not have regrets about anything I've done and I genuinely parked it and said, do you know what? The things that I've done have made me who I am. They brought me here. I haven't ever left anyone like people I've hurt myself and I forgive myself for that. And I don't only blame myself. I blame society and, and their big alcohol and, and myself. But I just thought the things that I've done, every left turn or right turn you make, I can never go back there. So all I can do is say I've experienced thing that, things that other people haven't and I'm still alive and I'm changing and that is what I'm going to focus on. And I, and I genuinely do not feel guilty about the things that I've done. And I know that's not easy for everyone and I know that's not possible for everyone. But for me, I've managed to do that and, and I am just excited about the future and I will talk about the things I've done openly and say of course it was embarrassing but I don't feel regret about them because I am who I am and I'm and I'm proud of myself for the first time in my life and I'm not going to give that away so that's that's kind of how I see that I'm kind of similar I am in the best place I have ever been in in my entire life life is good there's so much hope for the future I like who I am None of that could have been said before. And so while there are things that I've done that I do regret, it's easy to not dwell on them because all of those things had to happen in order for me to be where I am now. So I think really similar thoughts on that. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly where I'm at with it too. Like uh, I did a lot of stupid things, you know, ingested quite a few different substances over the years, but uh, it all had to happen. I mean, I was hardest on myself because it, you know, it was me doing all of these terrible things. Like there was one instance where I actually did hurt someone once. Um, it was actually my fiance and him and I are still together, but in a fit of rage, drunk fit of rage, 
I, him and I ended up getting into, you know, a little argument and uh, I bit him. Uh, my teeth sank into his arm and it's so embarrassing to think about now. And then, you know, there was the time that I broke down crying on, on my back porch whenever my dad tried to drop me off. Like, it's just, I spent a lot of moments embarrassing myself, maybe even humiliating myself, you know, ruining uh, my one friend's college graduation party because I ended up downing an entire bottle of vodka and then throwing up all over the inside of my car. My car somehow ended up in their parents' backyard, and I don't really know how that happened. And just various things like that. I mean, yeah, they happened. I mean, uh, all I can really do is just show everyone now that I'm not that person. I'm more responsible. I'm not going to act like that. Between me and my fiance, it involved an awful lot of communication, you know, about why it happened. You know, I'm quitting drinking because things like this aren't going to happen anymore. And it, it just took a lot of willingness to communicate on both of our parts to reconcile all of that. Takes a lot of time, doesn't it? It did. It took yeah. a lot of time. Even now, yeah. situations will happen and he'll expect me to freak out. He'll expect me to lose my cool, start yelling. And uh, I remind him all the time, like, I'm not that person now. But like, uh, I understand why you why you think I'm going to act like that. But but I'm not like uh, I'm a lot more clear headed, level headed now than I was whenever I was, you know, say, fifth deep or however yeah when you have a partner in there when like i know if you add mine you know there's all the lies and the deceit and the hiding and all of that stuff like there was no, there wasn't a lot of truth told in that relationship for a very long time and for that to you know even to reconcile that I mean, listening to you guys, it sounds like the regrets used as motivation. Listening to you lot now, I'm thinking when I say I never hurt anyone, well, I obviously did hurt. <laughs> I did have fights with my partners and I did, you know, ruin people's evenings and stuff like that. I, I meant like I physically didn't drive a car into a school bus or something, you know, like that. But I did hurt people individually in, in small ways. But I... You know, so what you're saying, Lacey, I was certainly no innocent person who just went around getting drunk and blacking out. I was a nightmare, but I didn't leave anyone without limbs or anything like that, which is for me how I justified in my head for so long I could carry on drinking, I think, because I thought, well, I'm only hurting myself. Everyone else has gone to work today. They might be upset or whatever, but actually, but actually, but sometimes those emotional uh things are, are harder to come to terms with. I know I just pretended they weren't happening for so many years. And I'm lucky that people still talk to me, quite frankly, but they do. And, and I am lucky for that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I wasn't blameless at all. I, I am grateful that none of my friends just kind of cast me aside, like, hey, screw you. We're not going to talk to you anymore. Like, yeah, I was pretty lucky there. And like, I, I never caused any like real, true physical damage to anybody either. You know, didn't have any crazy accidents or anything like that. It was mainly just all emotional damage. Mm. I think people can tell 
that alcohol is playing a part and they know that's not us because they see us when we're not high or drunk and they know that we're kind people and that I think that's why they hung around personally um I hope that's why they hung around that's certainly what they told me um and that that makes me happy because it meant people didn't think I was this sort of crazy person but um I'm in a very similar place myself as I and I've come to terms with a lot of the things that I did and you know just a few of the lies and the um but that was a very long process and definitely led to my first relapse because I just couldn't get over the feelings of guilt and it's the shame isn't it the shame and regret are such interlinked emotions and I think you know to anyone listening like that's you know it will be the fuel to a certain degree in early recovery the shame of when you actually come out of the I felt like I was in a fog for 20 years, you know, with times of sobriety in between and stuff. But, and you like, you, you come out the fog and you start seeing what you've done and mm-hmm. the person you became to a certain degree. And that is danger period for quite a, you know, for different times for different people. But it definitely fueled my first relapse. And like, I can't really say I haven't hurt people without just, I obviously don't want to incriminate myself, but I was involved in supply and stupid stuff like that, like 10, 12 years ago. And we, we, I lost track of who I was and, became, and we became quite successful in that area. And yeah, it's a, it's an industry dominated by violence and mm you know, misery and fear and and in my justification was always looking after people, you know, and, and looking that was kind of, I had to keep them safe without the realisation that I was creating a lot of that unsafety. So, you know, and it's, it's when you, that definitely led to years of more of addiction because when I realised what I'd become, we got out, we stopped, but I could never really face up to that. And because that that was never me. I'm not that, you know, I'd, but the addiction and the need to feed the addiction had led me down a very dark path. And it's a lot of the forgiveness that I found is within the community, you know, and the ability to overcome that regret because some of the people that I've met were, you know, the people I was perpetuating in the past by the things I was doing. And that took a long time to come to terms with. And But it's very important, the point of it is in the past, you, you've you got to get up every day and do better. And I personally feel like I've got quite a bit to make up for. So, you know, I try to be better on a daily basis and not, not let that person out the cage again because I don't like him very much. And, you know, and it's you, you lose who you are, you lose your identity, and it's just early recovery, regret is going to feel you, and you have got to get a handle on that. You've got the past is another country, and there is a certain selfishness to being locked in regret, because the people around you who are supporting you and have put up with your shit and are there for you now, 
Like, you're not helping them if you're beating the shit out of yourself, are you? You're not, you know, getting better if you're living in regret and it's only going to lead you one place. So you have to park that. So it's like acceptance, isn't it? Yeah, that was kind of my first thought about this was using regret for motivation, right? It's It, it was the motivation. It was like every time I'd have another piece of that past that I regretted it came with a whole slew of things it came you know it came with like healing it it came with tears it came with the acceptance of okay this is what I've done and now what am I going to do about it like I have to do something about it now like why am I regretting I'm I'm regretting this because I've failed myself I failed my daughter I failed my wife I failed you know there's a whole bunch of that that kind of gets all wrapped in there and James, like you said, you're just a shell of yourself, right? You let your boundaries go. You let your, you know, you don't stand up for yourself at all. You just, your moral compass is absolutely shot. Your version of right and wrong is, is the version of selfishness that you see today so you can feed the addiction. Like that is whatever, whenever I can get my next drink is the selfishness that I'm going to use so I can go and get it. Regardless of who around me is in the way, I'm still going to try and manipulate. I'm still going to try and lie. I'm still going to try and deceive because this is the first thing on my mind is to get another drink because I'm already six deep and that's not enough for today. So I think a lot of it for me is that regret's been very much a driving force into figuring out the things that I do regret and being able to accept and move on from them. You know, you guys talk about hurting people and there's, there's the physical pain. I mean, I, I was, uh, my daughter was at daycare and I picked her up and I dropped her over my shoulder. Like, what did I do there? I mean, I was drunk when I picked her up. First thing I did was grabbed her and I moved as far away from all the other teachers as possible and tried to get out of there as soon as I could. And I made up an excuse as to why she came over my shoulder. And then I went and bought her French fries to try and make her feel better. So she would stop crying. And I took a sideways way home. So if somebody called the cops, I wouldn't get caught. And then when I got back home, what did I do? I drank like that took me a long time. I can still hear that kid scream i can still hear the scream in in my head like i regret it yeah do i accept that that's what happened now what am i going to do about it i have to make sure that that, that I, I don't ever meet that man again it's kind of like what james said i don't ever meet that that man the man that ran from instead of stood in front of that's hard stuff well it's a bit like it, it's like walking away from someone but not forgetting them you keep yeah. you remember what's happened because you yeah. don't want to go back there but you can't stay holding that person's hand and feeling the regrets of that person anymore nope. because what james said which i've never heard anyone say before about it's being it's selfish to hold on to those and i think that's so true that really has just hit a nerve with me and it i agree completely we've taken enough time from people haven't we we've used mm-hmm. enough we've tested their patience pushed them away and expected them to come back now is the time for us to sort of put our big girl pants on 
and go, right, it's time for me to do some stuff that's good. And I think that's why a lot of people in the sober community get this kind of, I love myself and I want to help people because we just, it's so unique for us to be a nice person and not hate ourselves that we suddenly realize how incredible it is. That other person is gone. That person, the shame, regret, the annoying, embarrassing person. And we just, we think we want to help other people realize it's possible. Um, but you do have to park that person and say, I will never be you again, but you are in the past. I think it's interesting when you get into the communities, like the sober communities, like we're all a part of. When you share your regret and you share your shame, you help someone else with theirs. Like mm-hmm. that is probably when you talk about helping someone, that's that's the first thing that came came to my mind is you end up sharing those stories and those, you know, the crazy things that you did, Kate, when you went through the glass door or whatever that may be, you know, you you never know about those stories, Lacey, ending up in a backyard. No, and I tell people that, I tell people that because people feel so much shame. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, I went to a knitting group and ended up in a police cell locked up. I went to a knitting group in a town hall because I was dragged along and I ended up locked up. I mean, honestly, it's it's a, it's funny if it wasn't so awful because I had two little children at home and my husband didn't know where I'd gone. I, he thought I'd pop down and come back with half a scarf, you know, and I came came back at six, seven in the morning. But it's by telling other people and, and saying, look, this happened to me, but it wasn't really me, you know that, then they feel so much more... They feel less shame. Like you said, it's like, well, actually, if she can talk about that and that's worse than anything I've ever done, maybe I shouldn't beat myself up so much. And I agree, it, it makes you feel like you're not alone and that that goes so far in the healing process. Yeah. Yeah, I think I struggled a lot with regretting all of the time that I wasted. I was definitely a problem drinker for at least a decade. Probably the last six years of my drinking, I was pretty well checked out. And that's when my kids were, you know, they were little and I was there physically and I pretty much missed a good chunk of their childhoods. And I just look at all of the time that I wasted. And that's maybe one of the hardest things for me to reconcile is just that huge, like that whole decade of my life that I essentially threw away to addiction to alcohol. And it's still something that hits me. And then I just feel really bad for a while. I think sometimes I manage to talk my way through that. Sometimes I can acknowledge that that 10 years had to happen just the way it did for me to have the kind of future that I have now. I appreciate my life so much more Um, But Julie, I do have a question because I used to think that and I said that and this woman said to me, Kate, I'm 70 years old. I'm getting sober for my grandchildren. And when I hear you talk about missing out on the first 10 years of your because I'm nearly a year and I've got an 11 and a 13 year old. And she said, I know it feels bad for you, but I drank throughout their whole lives. My children are now 40 and I'm doing this for my grandchildren. So when you say it's bad imagine how it is for me and you know what since she said that because it made me feel awful and she said don't feel bad I wish I'd done it before but that's my point she said I could carry on again 
but I'm not, I'm stopping. And, and it doesn't matter. You can't keep worrying. And have you had that experience as well? Because it made a real impact on me when someone said that. I don't think not, I don't think anybody's ever put it quite like that, but that's, it's a good point. I think I'm so grateful for my life now and I appreciate what my life is more now than I ever could have if I had not lost that decade. If I had just gone about my life floating through it, letting life happen, I don't think that I would appreciate every day the way that I do now. And so maybe that 10 years had to be what it was for me to appreciate everything that I have now the way that I do. I think a lot of us in recovery see our lives in a different light. We really grab onto life and we live it like we mean it. And I think without an experience like ours, some of us wouldn't do that. Some of us would still just be sitting back, letting life happen the way it does. And now we live it with intention. And I think for me, I needed that to happen in order to live a life with intention. So I can kind of hold on to that feeling. And I like what you said, Kate, that's actually a really good point. I haven't met a lot of people who are that much older who have that to share. But yeah, I think all it all goes back to, we can either choose to look back at the past or we can look forward toward the future. I think that's kind of our only option if we're going to keep going. Yeah, like like my story is similar to Julie's. It's kind of like that lost decade, but it's the lost decade that I needed to show me that I can't appreciate today because I never did before. I never did before. Yeah, that's that's a really important thing about recovery as well, isn't it? The you learn to exist in the now, and once you get over the or you put the regret in its box where it belongs, like. And you stop treating happiness as a destination. No, like the like which a lot of addiction or you know it, it is about, isn't it? It's like I'll be all right if I have a drink or I have a whatever, you know, that that'll, that'll solve it. That'll solve how I'm feeling inside. And like, you know, lots of people do it with holidays, you know, shopping or you know, whatever it may be, that the, the destination they think is happiness or fulfillment. And I think, like we, the thing that we do that we were doing was going to kill us, and it, you know, it, that's the the hard cold reality of it. So, I think in a way we're lucky because we get we have to deal with it. We haven't just got a bit of debt, or we haven't just unhealthy, you know, unhealthy relationships. Not that there's you know what's better or worse, but like we have to wise up. And we have to start living in the now and start existing in yesterday and what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's kind of the gift from recovery, isn't it? The, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you, you learn a very, very fucking hard lesson. It's a price I'd pay. Yeah. Like, you know, someone give me my time over. I'd probably do the same. I don't yeah. think really trying to avoid some of the things, you know, because, yeah. Well, and I know, like, Julie and I have had the conversation, whereas I don't know that I would be here without having gone through all of that. So I I, I feel like I, in, instead of regretting it, I have to feel grateful for it. 
I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm alive. I can do my best to rectify all of those things in my past and I can do my best to try and be here for today. So I, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm losing. It is a gift. And it's not, it's not just here and alive. Most of us are actually thriving mm-hmm. in a way we never would have been yeah. if it weren't for all of the wasted time and all of the poor decisions. And yeah. I think that's, that's, I've, I've just been asked to write a chapter for a book um and it's it's sort of 15 or 16 people recovering and they're each writing a chapter and it wasn't till I wrote down the words that I feel like I haven't moved on since I was 15 I've been mentally like I've just stopped and I've got to learn about myself because actually alcohol just stopped everything and it was constantly recovering drinking recovering and I'm like I haven't grown in so many ways since I was 15 years old and I think it's that that um appreciation and excitement for life that you have when you're younger that we're all experiencing and that's why we're these ridiculously happy middle-aged people and younger, obviously, um, Lacey, I'm not including you, James, maybe, but you know, but, <laughs> do you know what I mean? We're acting like teenagers and we've been given life and we're like, we can do something. We can make something, we can do something today and we can remember it tomorrow. Yeah. It's so exciting. And, and it's that incredible, um, charisma that I think I see in people that is just, it, amazing and it is that realization that you haven't really been moving on as you should have um for all those years and I find that quite interesting because that just sort of came to me when I was writing it I thought yeah it's true <laughs> it's, it's the ability to sit with emotions isn't it like the one thing you are you learning early with comfort you've got to sit with that shit and feel it because there ain't no hiding it no more there ain't no you know, I feel great tonight, but tomorrow I'm going to, you know, but it's all right, I'll have some, tomorrow, you know, tomorrow or whatever, and that'll take it away. And it's that, yeah, learning to sit with your hand, that is a, it's a pretty damn healthy way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in recovery, you, because you still have to be careful. Two years down the line, I still have to be very careful. You know, I have to acknowledge that that monkey's always going to be there. And, you know, learning to sit with your emotions and learning to to be, you know, doesn't give them any food, doesn't doesn't give them any power. I just think it's amazing to finally love myself. Like uh, everything that's in the past is in the past. You can't change it, but you do have to come to terms with it, whatever way that you choose to do and uh, move forward, build a future for yourself. Remember the past so you can prevent it from happening again in the future. But you got to forgive yourself for it and keep going. No matter what you did, you still have a life to live and it can't be spent thinking about the past. I was reading through a couple of meal posts today and then, like, I came across one about acceptance. And, like, that's almost the opposite, like the polar opposite to regret, isn't it? That like acceptance and even when it's really, really difficult, but it's not, again, it's not something you get to and then you go on after that day 
and you've accepted it. It doesn't work that way. It's a choice you've got to make every single day. Even when you get up and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot happier than I used to be, but of course we all have bad days and you will, you've got to actively make the choice to accept your past, accept your reality, accept where you are, mm-hmm. the mess you may have made or, the, you know, the things, you, the good things as well. And that's got to be an ongoing choice, an mm-hmm. ongoing choice you know an ongoing journey because again it's another you can get cocky <laughs> and that's where it can lead to a couple of years down the line problems because you think you've got there and you have in a lot of ways but you've always got to keep doing those practices and going through that journey and accepting those things and not letting the regret, regret monkey out of its bloody box. So. The regret <laughs> monkey. <laughs> it's on your back, isn't it? Just whispering in your ear. Yeah. <laughs> Lacey said something really important that I don't know how much we've touched on, and that is forgiving ourselves. And, you know, most of the people in my life that I did hurt in some way or made a fool of in front, made a fool of myself in front of, they have forgiven me. We have to give ourselves that same forgiveness. We have to show ourselves the same grace that all of these wonderful people in our lives are willing to show us. I think it takes a lot of work, but I think we owe that to ourselves. We owe that same level of forgiveness to ourselves. I agree. Like, uh, what would you tell a friend if a friend were to approach you and say, hey, I was at this party last night and I tripped, I fell, I embarrassed myself and it was a birthday party for my friend and it was ruined and it's, you know, and it's all because of me. It's all my fault. Like, what would you tell your friend, you know, if if they approached you with that situation and they wanted to try and rectify it and they couldn't forgive themselves and they were beating themselves up over it? Like, you have to show yourself the same compassion that you would show to a friend who was in that situation. Yeah. We always say that I'm very good at giving advice and but I beat myself up so much more than I would ever I would never make someone feel bad. I would always say are you okay? I would always say, you know, do you need some help or that this is what happened, why did it happen? Work it through, you know, you're right. But but I never do that to myself. I make it 10 times worse. I I, I work through all the different feelings that what, what are they thinking? What are they speaking about? Then this will happen. And, and you're right. It is, it's important to, to always say, how would I, what, what advice would I give a friend in this situation? And it's never the way that I treat myself. We all are our own worst enemies. I think. We really are. We're so harsh on ourselves, but for no good reason. I mean, <laughs> we think we have a good reason, but in reality, no, we're just, beating ourselves up whenever the people around us, you know, they've probably already forgiven us and we don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say there's a counterpoint to that, though. It can't be permissive to being kind to yourself because sometimes being kind to yourself in the old days was having a drink or having a whatever, you know, and there's, you can't kind of give yourself a blank check. You do have to, sometimes you do need to have a stern word for yourself, but it's not when it's calling yourself a dickhead, you know? It's, that wasn't the best move. 
honest with yourself as well as you know because sometimes you would say to a friend well that was a that was dumb and sometimes you do have but you, you know it's a balance between the two things as with everything it's the balance of being not being permissive not allowing yourself to get away because we still have behaviors and patterns that will possibly come out in other ways and we do have to to recognize them like cross addiction and you know like i won i was in na for a bit and i got quite involved in like the organization bit of it and, that, and i went to this monthly meeting and a few of the people there were high and they weren't high on drugs they were high on what they were doing <laughs> and that was a real clear example of crossing you know and okay that thing they were doing was good and they were helping people and they were throwing themselves into it but it was still the same thing it was still the same reality they were still running away to a certain degree from maybe what they'd done regret mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's the monkey it's always going to be there mm-hmm. i just want to say thank you kate thank you james Thank you, Lacey. Really appreciate you guys coming on. Kate and James from uh, across the pond. Really nice having you guys on the podcast and uh, taking the time. Lacey, on a Saturday afternoon, really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your your thoughts and uh, sharing uh, your stories. Thank Thank you. you Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We'd also like to thank our listeners for sharing this space with us. Remember to subscribe or follow to keep getting new content. And if you have any comments or topic suggestions, you can email us at throughtheglassrecovery at gmail.com. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore life on the other side of alcohol.